I love days like today because I love to celebrate the family. How many know God loves the family unit and the family of God? And I love seeing the kiddos get so excited about everything. So I'll definitely be watching their pumpkins they're painting and their faces. And, and I'm excited about the bike parade. I don't know if any of you brought your kids bike, but I, Matthias over there is obviously heading. You took your wig off, but... He always goes large and in charge, and so this bike parade is going to be like at a whole nother level. That's why I like asking Matthias to do stuff. So all your kids get cards to put on their, their wheels of their bikes. How many remember that little smack noise? Like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. I'm too far removed from tricycle days. It was like last week I rode my last tricycle. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, we encourage you to stick around, have some fun. I do want to kind of um, make notice. We have chili for everybody. So there's chili and hot dogs over here. But there's also the chili contest. And we've had like 13 people enter in their chili. So make sure you go to the chili tent because that's in addition to what you're going to eat, okay? That's where you're going to taste every chili. Say, taste every one of them. We want to make sure you taste them all, and then you can vote on the best chili that you think was made today, okay? So don't get it, don't get it twisted. I just wanted to say that. I don't know. <laughs> it was like in my head for somewhere, don't get it twisted. But uh, so make sure you eat your chili and go test the chili, right? People worked hard to make that happen. So, all right, I want to show this photo. We're going to put up a baptism photo um, in the last couple weeks. Two of our guys in the ministry uh, water baptized for the first time, and I'm so extremely <laughs> proud of them. And so any minute we'll have that. There we go. So Chad had the opportunity with a bunch of our team members to baptize at Revival Arizona. Um, 40 people went to, to our baptism. Faith Builders was represented there. They saw thousands come to Jesus. It was just a beautiful worship night. And then last night at our Legacy Young Adults, are any young adults out there from last night? We had a time last night. It was our first night of worship together. And I'm telling you, the altar was flooded, wasn't it, young people? They were here for it, and they got ministered to. I'm already hearing testimonies of freedom today. And so last night, Abel water baptized for the first time and I'm so proud of him and they baptized three young adults last night amen and uh, it's just the start of what God is doing so I wanted to give them a little shout out to how proud I am of them so today um, I was going to start my series on what in the world I just felt like the Lord said pause it today and we're going to start it next week I just want to put a little bit more to it and have a few more weeks prepared so today is going to be a one hit and this is a thing that's so interesting when you have people who move in the prophetic that um, host the service they share your message Pastor Paul does it to me all the time. And Sally, I'm like, Sally, don't share all my messages today, my boys. But I'm going to be talking to you this morning on true worshipers. I know. Way to go, Sally. She's like, I have a word from God. I'm like, yeah, I bet you do, little prophetess. But isn't that beautiful? And uh, Mark and Sally are uh, teaching pastors here at the church, and we love them, and I'm so glad to have them a part of our ministry, for those of you who are new. So we're going to talk a little bit about what true worship is. 
And I believe my greatest heart's desire, and I saw it last night, and I saw it today, is God really making this a house of worship, a place where we feel freedom of the Holy Spirit, where if you want to worship and kneel and stand, if you want to make a shout unto Jesus, that this is really a worshiping house. I believe that it is, but I also believe God wants to take us to another level of true worshipers, amen, and not just waiting for Sunday or Wednesday. Come on, somebody. How many know God still exists on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Does that remind you of the Godfather? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But God wants us to learn to worship him even at home. Taking the religi religiosity out of it and worshiping God in your cars, in your kitchen while you're getting ready. You can be true worshipers wherever you are at because you have the spirit of the Lord with you, amen. So we're gonna open up and go through some scripture. We're gonna look at John 4, 23, but what I love about this portion of scripture is that right prior to this verse, it was a story of the Samaritan woman. How many remember her? And God met this woman at the well that had no hope, no destiny, had gone through four or five husbands and the one she was with, she was shacking up with and, and she runs into Jesus. She runs into Jesus, and one encounter with Jesus changed the trajectory of her life. One moment, and that's the Jesus that we serve, amen? And, and so Jesus met her there, and we know she, she launched revival in her city. They all came to Christ. But in this verse after that, Jesus spoke to her and said this verse 23, yet at a time is coming, say time is coming, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking. The Father God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for your heart. And we'll explain a little bit about what that means. But he's looking for that intimacy with you. He's roaming the earth and he's just not looking for churchgoers. He's not just looking for people who show up on Sunday. He's looking for people that will people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. What is that? True worshipers are what? They're real in nature and they're genuine. God is looking for that intimate relationship of worship with us every day. And I believe there's a move of worship that is going to strike this nation, that is going to usher revival, that awakening that we've never seen before. It's going to come through worship because what we're willing to do in private, we will be willing to do it in public. And the reason why we have apprehension in public is because we're not worshiping him in private. I know that if I'm practicing the drums, I am a drum player. I'm not a good one. I will speed that song up like nobody's business. But I know if I practice at home, I can get on the stage and confidently do the drums because I did it privately. When you learn to get on your knees and worship God, you learn to put on a praise song in your home or in your worship closet or in your car, and you do some radical worship, you will be unashamed in church to have radical worship in the presence of God. Because the church is looking for a manifestation of the glory of God. The world is looking for a manifestation of the glory of God. The next generation is looking for the church to just display the glory of God. We've got to get unashamed and unapologetic for our worship in this hour. 
I don't mean we turn into a bunch of Looney Tunes. Okay, got quiet on me. Like, well, what do you want, Barb? Unapologetics or what? We want authentic worship. We want the freedom of the Holy Spirit. If you want to kneel at your chair, you kneel at your chair. If you want to raise your hands, you can raise your hands. If you want to come to the altar, you come to the altar. That's unapologetic worship. And I'm going to show you ways that we can worship according to God's word. Amen. So God is looking for us to worship in spirit, his relationship, and truth. What does that mean? A personal experience. It's time for us to take worship home, isn't it? Turn off the teaching tape. Sometimes you just got to get into worship. Sometimes you got to just turn off the Netflix series, right, and get into worship. I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing us into this place. In our cars, turn on praise and worship. There's sometimes worship that I don't even have music on, and I sing those old tunes. Hallelujah. 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 You can sing it with me. Hallelujah. 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 Do you see how the presence of God shows up in our worship? And I can't even keep a tune. I'm at home just singing my little heart out, and I'm like, God, I'm so glad you're receiving my worship. Because <laughs> it is so out of tune, I'd be afraid for anybody to notice it. But that's true worship. The Father is looking for worship. He's not looking for fancy or extravagant or perfectionism. He's just looking for our heart surrendered to him. Amen. God says, if you don't cry out, the rock surely will. Well, I don't want no rock to outcry me. Hallelujah. Amen. God is looking for those worshipers. God, in this scripture, he didn't say, he says he's looking for worshipers. He didn't say, I'm looking for great public speakers. He didn't say I'm looking for charismatic leaders, the gifted, the best looking, hallelujah, people with the best style or the most Instagram followers. He says, I'm looking for worship. I'm looking for those that will close their door and come into my presence where there's fullness of joy. I'm looking for people that will enter into my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. God isn't looking for fancy. He's looking for your voice that he knows to lift up a praise into his presence. I'm so thankful God knows my voice and God knows my tune. Because things change in your life when you learn how to worship because you were designed to worship. And there's something that I was studying this week and I realized that I don't need to worship. God needs my worship. It's about worshiping God. It's about knowing him, knowing his voice, knowing what he sounds like. And so many of us live defeated because we don't know the sound of God. We don't know his voice of encouragement. We don't know his voice of hope. We're only living in this place of feeling condemned and beneath and not spiritual and not worthy. Instead of going into worship, well, he will outpour unto you the glory of his spirit. I'll share in a little bit, but my life changed when I learned true worship with God. Worship is what? It's showing value. 
It's showing worth. It's showing honor to the thing that I love and that is important in my life. I'm going to show you, or the team's going to show you, some things of worship today. Just go slow, but just kind of go through them. These are... Okay, this is more clearly the point I'm trying to make. The first two, I was like, hmm. What do we see here? We see worship in sporting events. We see worship in concerts. We see worship, and we have no shame to shout our worship. We have no shame to celebrate what we love. I'm not saying that's evil. But what I do want to point out as those pictures play out is the problem is that these are photos of good worship to a wrong God. It's not wrong to shout at a game. I shout at games. I shout at things I love. It's not wrong, but it's perverted worship. But yet, the photos that the life that we live in our worship is that we have a tendency for bad worship to a great God. We give our secondary. We give our less. We, we curtail in at the last minute of worship. And I'm not here to bring condemnation. And I'm not just talking about in the house of worship. I'm talking about even at home. But we're not really giving God our first. We don't mind going into the world and shouting for the things of the world. And that's fun. But where is our shout for the King of Kings? The Lord of Lords. The one who saved you. The one who healed you. The one who delivered you. The one who restored your marriage. The one who's, who is bringing your children back to Him. We need to be unashamedly shouting for our Savior and what he's done in our life. True worship, not condemnation, true worship. Types of worship is God's looking for repentance and thanksgiving and praise and celebration. They're going to put up a screen there really quick, and I'm not going to go into all of these because we don't have time. You can study them on your own, but I'm going to show you different types of worship. You probably can't even read that, screenshot it, and make it bigger. But I'm going to show you. These are seven types of worship in the Bible. And what I love about this is there's not just one type of worship. There's many ways that you, well, Pastor Barb, I'm not a shouter. You don't have to be a shouter. So let's look at this, toda, which is the first one. It's the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving that honors God. Guess what? Sometimes on Sunday, I don't feel like worshiping God either. Sometimes on Monday, I'm going through things and I'm down and I'm wondering where's the miracle and I don't feel like praising God, but I'm going to give him a toda praise. It's a praise of sacrifice. I'm going to lay down my feelings. I'm going to lay down my flesh. I'm going to lay down how I feel and I'm going to give sacrificial worship to God. And this is probably where most of us need to fall into the category. We don't always feel like worshiping God because our mind is enmity against God. But sometimes we got to go, I'm giving God a toe to praise. 
I'm going to give it sacrificially. I'm going to turn off that TV, and I'm going to put on some sort of worship, and I'm just going to start walking and praying in my home. I'm going to start walking, and if you pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Spirit. That is worship to God, and you get God's attention. Then there's uh, yada praise. I love this. To raise and extend the hands unashamedly to God. Well, we shouldn't get so hyper in church. No, it's scriptural. Raise your hands to God. It's it's, It's yada praise. I'm surrendering to you, God. All that I am, all that I'm going through, it is yours, God. You're showing full surrender. I don't need to raise my hands. Well, you don't have to, but it is a form of worship. And I am not ashamed. You ever seen that little thing, like if you're a hand raiser here, you're like, and if you're a hand raiser here, here, you know, are you a one-hander? Are you a swayer? You know, (laughs) you don't have to be religious about it, but I'm not ashamed, God. I've been going through hell, and I'm not afraid to let anybody know around me. I need his presence. I need his joy. I need some hope today because I've been going through some things, and he's the only one that can give me what I need is my praise. Amen? Then there's the Barak praise. Barak is to bless God as an adoration, to kneel expectantly and quietly before him. Kneeling is worship. I'll share a little bit in my lesson down the road, but there's something spiritual happens when you kneel in his presence. My life changed multiple times by taking time to physically kneel in his presence and worship. But what I loved about this is because Barak is quiet. Now, if you go down to Shabbat in the bottom right or wherever, it's to address in a loud tone and to shout. Like, there's a great shout that we can do for God. Uh, You may just hear me shout over there because I may be having a moment with God or I may be seeing somebody get ministered to at the altar and I'm so excited for what God's doing. There's a shout of worship on the inside of me. But how many know I don't have to run around and shout all the time? It doesn't have to be all shouting and running around the church and all of that's fun. There's also a thing called Barak that is silent in his presence that is sitting before him in respect and reverence. There's all kinds of worship. There's the halal, which is to be clear, to shine, to celebrate, the distinct sound, which is what we have in praise and worship. It's just a clear, we're clearly worshiping the Lord, amen? Then there's zamar. It's to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. You know, if we were to take some of these uh, musical instruments, if we were just say, Franco, just play the keyboard. Nothing else, Frank will play the keyboard. That would be beautiful worship to God. Those stringed instruments, the sound of heaven, the anointing of God flowing through musical instruments. It's worship. Sometimes you may just say, stop and let that guitar player go nuts. I've been in a presence where that guitar player is so anointed, it's just like angels are flooding the room. It's a form of worship. The last one is tahala. If I'm saying these wrong, forgive me. But it means to sing in the spirit. Sing. Sometimes you'll hear us praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. When you don't know what to pray, you pray in your prayer language. There's a singing, a song of your prayer language. It's a beautiful thing. It may not sound beautiful, but it is worship to God. God is looking for authentic worship. You have seven ways. There's maybe more. There's turning, I believe, spinning in the Bible. I'm not sure which category it falls under. But we had worship today, and it was a beautiful presence. It was so beautiful. And I want to ask you, did you worship him for who he is? 
In that moment, did you thank him for what he's done? See, it's not just singing a song. It's a relationship with God. Why? Sometimes I can give a shout. My spirit, so, or I mean, you don't know it, but tears are coming down my cheeks because I'm thanking him for what he's done. I'm thanking him for some of you that showed up at church, and I'm so thankful you're here to get touched by God. There's something in my heart that overwhelms me. Did you thank him? Did you express the deepest part of your heart in love for God? That's what true worship is. It's talking to our creator. It's giving him love and adoration. Amen. Or do we just, and I'm not saying it's you because I was in my own worship, or do we just look around, just wait for the song list to get over? And I'm not talking, there's Sundays where you're like, I'm just in a funk, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we don't really know how to engage in worship, where we're just kind of waiting for this part of the service, right? It's become ritualistic in behavior. This is what we do. We sing these two songs. We sit up, we stand down, instead of touching God with our worship. Amen. Because what does the scripture says, Matthew 15, 8 through 9, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. See, God doesn't just want lip service. Right? He's looking for worship. He's looking for you to be willing to give time. Talk to him how you feel. Talk to him about what you're going through, but also allow him to minister to you. Okay, let's look at David. This is a perfect example of what we studied about scripture, about worship, Psalms 100. I love this. Shout with joy to the Lord. There's your Shabbat. You can shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. How do you worship? You can shout. You can be happy. Come before him with singings with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. You know, that's simple what worship, you are my God, you are my Savior, and I acknowledge you as the King of my life. I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. That is worship. It's not just singing the song to the end, is it? Verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name for he is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our worship? You could just study those verses right there and get a revelation of what true worship is. And then your children's learn how to worship God. And your children's children learn how to worship God. And it becomes a generation. There's power in worship. Amen? And God's looking for true worshipers to worship him. All right, let's look at this quickly this morning. I'm going to give you... I believe two ways that we're going to worship God in truth. Number one is you're going to learn to worship God with awe. Worship God with awe. What does that mean? It's a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. It's the awe of God. If you were for the first time to see a mountain of diamonds and you've never seen it before, are you going to have awe? You're going to be like, what the heck? There's, a, there's an awe of that experience. But if you were to see that mountain over and over and over and over, it would become very familiar. And the awe of that would fade away. 
And we've got to get back to that moment to remember what God has done in our life. So we can get back to the awe of God, the wonder of God, the reverence of God. When I come into worship, I'm here to worship. I'm reverent. I'm respecting that moment. That's why I asked you to stand, not to be religious, but this is the presence of God, the reverence. Somebody needs healing. Somebody needs deliverance. When we all are in the awe and wonder of God, that's when miracles begin to manifest in his presence. So we fight to bring back that moment of God's goodness, of God's greatness in our worship, bringing back that fear and awe of God. Amen. Sometimes we have to revisit the miracles that he's done in our life. Remember what he did for you. Remember where he's brought you from. But unfortunately, we've gotten too familiar with our worship and we've gotten too familiar with God. I want to look at Hebrews 12. It says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. Why? Because God is a consuming fire. When you have a reverence of God, and not a fear afraid of, but a, a fear of righteous that his presence is here, that his Holy Spirit is here. When you have that, now the consuming fire of God comes in your life. What does consuming fire do? It purifies you. Number one. It'll purify the things in your life. It'll convict you of sin. Worship should convict you of sin. It should draw you to the presence of God. It destroys things in your life with passion. You're like, man, I came into church today and I got a bad report. And I'm going through some troubles in my heart. If you worship him with reverence and awe, you draw the presence of God to you and the all-consuming fire comes and begins to deal with that issue through your worship. Worship is powerful. It's supernatural. God fights battles for you when you worship him. God begins the con becomes the conqueror of the enemies in your life when you worship him. He drives out those who are coming against you when you worship him. He drives out depression when you worship him. Why do you think the devil is stealing worship in the world today? Movie stars. Football players, soccer players, tennis players, all get God's worship. Why? Because if you learn to worship God, it'll set you free. It'll bring miracles in your home. It'll draw the presence of God to you. It'll open up favor. It'll change the direction of your life when you learn to worship your creator. This is powerful. When you worship God, it brings victory over the enemy powerful. And I'm going to read Psalms 95 verse 6. It says, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. There's something powerful about bowing down in the presence of God. And some of us would be embarrassed to do that. It'd be hard for us to do that. Our flesh wouldn't want to do it. But when you enter into that worship, something pivotally changes in your life. You don't always have to kneel. But when you feel that presence of God, I'm in awe of him. I need to respect and honor and submit to the presence that I feel right now. 
whether it's in this room or at home. And I, I begin to write down some pivotal moments that changed my life by kneeling in his presence. I mean physically kneeling, not just getting through a worship song. Places where I needed God to show up. When I was 17 years old, I, the pastor said, let's kneel at our pews. It was pews back then. Kneel at our pew. And you know what? By kneeling, God came to me at 17 and says, are you going to serve me? Are you going to give your life to me? And at 17, I counted the cost. And I knew I had to get rid of friends. I knew my lifestyle had to change. I knew I had to worship my Savior. Because I knelt down at 17, I'm still serving God today because a moment of kneeling. I don't believe, and I, God would have found another way, but because that pastor said, kneel, God's presence was so strong. Let's not move forward. Let's, if you want to kneel, kneel. And I chose to kneel, changed my life forever. Gave my life to Jesus. Second time I, I can think of kneeling is when I had broke up with a boyfriend. Long story. We're not even going to go there. But I was broken and I was hurting. See, when you're going through stuff is where it should drive you to the presence of God. It should drive you to your knees to worship. I'm discouraged, God. I feel abandoned. I don't know what you're doing. And yet we walk around despaired instead of humbling ourselves, kneeling in the presence of God, and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do. I'm excited. I'm trying to calm down here because I want to teach you all. But I went and I knelt at that church. I knocked on the doors and they let me in and I went into a dark sanctuary because it's the only place I knew to go was church. That's all I knew. I needed God. I was hurting. And in that little blue pew, same church, little blue pew, God came to me and taught me that I needed him and not other people. I needed my relationship with him and not with a man. I needed that to be priority. God taught me relationship by kneeling. Changed my life forever. Next time I knelt in the presence of God, a youth service was going on, and the presence of God was so strong. I was 23, and I'd been hurt by ministry and hurt by people, and I carried all of this unforgiveness and anger, and I decided to kneel in the back of that sanctuary. I actually laid under the chairs, but that's another story. We'll call it kneeling. But you know what? Because I humbled myself in his presence, he came to me and says, you're going to forgive all those people that hurt you, and you're going to release them to me. I didn't even know what I was carrying till I was kneeling. Let me say that again. I didn't know what I was carrying until I knelt. And I was carrying this unforgiveness, and this joy for ministry was gone. It was stripped from my heart. And God knew he had a long way for me to go in ministry. I better kneel, get her kneeling so I can get her healed so she can run the race with endurance. I let all that unforgiveness go. Let all those people go. Change my life forever. This church, six years ago, God called me to pastor this church. I was very terrified of it. I didn't know God's agenda. I came in here and I knelt before God. It was the kneeling in God's presence. I said, God, I don't know if I can do this. There are things you're facing that seem incapable of, of changing. There's obstacles you're facing that seem so big for you. But God is so much greater. And when you learn to stop and kneel in his presence, he will give you everything you need in that moment to get through the situation you are facing. And I decided to come in this room and I knelt before God and I said, God, you have my yes. Yes. 
and I will be here. And all I asked, I did the lifting hands one, whatever one that was. And I said, you have my yes. I surrender to you. But all I ask is you give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say and the obedience to follow you. And God changed the trajectory of my life six years ago. Many of your lives, many lives that aren't even here, God changed because of a kneeling situation. God is calling us to slow down. Amen. I'm going to give you three quick examples. You have a couple more minutes. Think about the wise men. They never met Jesus. They had heard about him. They had studied about him. But when they heard and they arrived at Jesus, what did they do? The Bible says they bowed down before Jesus. Look at Matthew 2.11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What happens when you bow down in worship? You're releasing gifts to God. The fragrance of your worship is released to the nostrils of God. And you think, God doesn't see me. God doesn't know what I'm going through. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He smells your worship. It's a, free, a sweet fragrance into his nostrils, the Bible says. That's why I know God knows my voice. As soon as I open it in worship, he's like, I'm here for you, girl. I got you. You're going to be all right. I have miracles in store for you. I have your heart's desires. You're stronger than you think that you are. But it's in that kneeling that he comes and he's like, if you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. As soon as your voice opens, he's like, I'm here for you. What do you need? Simon Peter when Jesus gave him the miracle and filled his boat, what happened? When he walked up to Jesus, the Bible says he fell on his face. And he said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. When you're in worship, conviction of sin will happen in your life. God, forgive me of that. Forgive me, and I release that thing in my life. Forgive me of anger. Forgive me of unforgiveness. Forgive me of my past behavior. That repentance will come through worship. And that kind of repentance doesn't always come through the shout. That comes through the quietness of humbling yourself, of kneeling before God so God can speak to your heart. And, of course, the very last one is in, in the last days, the Bible says, every knee will bow. Come on, somebody. Every knee shall bow. Let's look at Philippians 2.10. It says, Jesus is the name above every name. We sang that song today. I was so thankful. Jesus is the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And one day, it doesn't matter. God's going to swipe them, and they're going to worship him no matter what. Amen? God has called us to worship him with humility and vulnerability. I'm going to skip over that. What is that? You worship him out of respect. You worship him out of reverence, humility, and submission. Amen? So let me ask you this. Don't raise your hands. Because even as pastors, we have to keep this in check also. When was the last time you have been stunned and shaken by the presence of God? When was the last time? I'm not talking in here. I'm talking about your personal worship. When was the last time that we stopped long enough to be shaken by the presence of God? 
God is calling that in our life. You want a manifestation of God? Worship him in reverence. There's been many times where I've been laid out in the presence of God. And, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to say this. I don't do it because I'm a pastor. Because you can just say, well, I'm not a pastor. I don't have, no. We are all equal when it comes to relationship with God. Amen. And I find myself laying on the floor of God's presence. It was almost like a fear to open up my eyes because I didn't know what I was going to see. Like this powerful presence of God. And when you get into God's presence and you take this big problem and you humble yourself in God's presence, what happens is through your worship, the big problem gets smaller and God gets bigger. Isn't that amazing? So the things that we're carrying and we're burdened by, if we'll just get into worship, that worship alone will begin to change the perspective of the situation that you are going through. I've learned to kneel in my home, kneel in my office, walk and pray in the sanctuary. Do you know when I was growing up, um, the only place I had to my own growing up was obviously my bedroom. And so I would worship God in my bedroom. I would pray and seek the heart of God and study scripture in my bedroom. And my mom told me a few years later, she said, you know, I just wanted you to know whenever I was sick, I would go and lay down in your bed. She goes, because there was a presence of God in your room that was so special. Had nothing to do with me. But where you worship creates this atmosphere of miracles. And she said, I'd lay on your bed, and I would let the presence of God come, and I would get healed, or whatever I'm going through, God would minister to me. When you create that lifestyle, your home begins to be filled with the glory of God. Your home is filled with worship. Do you know this sanctuary very seldom doesn't have worship praying in it, playing in it, because I believe the atmosphere of worship sets miracles in our life, and it should be in our private life also, Amen. Unfortunately, there's other religions that create their own God. They mold and shape their own God, right, out of stone and clay, and they carry them around, or they put them in special settings, or I don't want to, I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just trying to acknowledge that people create other gods in the world. But these gods that are created, they don't have eyes to see what can happen and God sees in your life. These other gods don't have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying over your life. These other gods cannot speak and have the mouths to speak what God can speak over your life. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a God that is alive and powerful. Amen. And he's, Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he's making intercessions for the saints. We don't have to carry our God around. Our God carries us. He carries you in your problems. He carries you in the struggles. Our God hears the cries of your, of your heart. He says, my ear is not deaf that I can't hear you. My hand is not too short that I can't reach you. God will speak what you need to speak because we serve a living God. And when we remember the God that we serve, we will worship him in awe. Because I will know the power of my worship. Amen. Number two is worship God with abandon. I got three minutes, y'all, so just give it to me. Worship God with abandonment. I don't care what people think. 
I don't care what I look like. I don't care about anything. I'm going to let it all go, and I'm going to put on a crazy worship if that's going to get me through what I'm going through. And we look at King David, and we don't have time to go into it, but in 2 Samuel verse 6, it talks about the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to King David. And something about the Ark of Covenant, it represented the presence of God. It represented the favor of God. When you carry the Ark, when you had the Ark in your presence, you won back. The enemy could not defeat you. They had been without the presence of God. And when David saw the ark, he saw God. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was for him. He began to dance a crazy dance. He says, I don't care what you think. I've been without God. I've been without his presence. I've been without his anointing. I've been walking through the wilderness. I've been going through some things, but I feel God. It doesn't matter what you think about me. I'm going to twirl. I'm going to shout. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to do whatever I got to do because God is here. When we get that perspective that God is here, you will put on a crazy play. praise. Come on, somebody. And what happened? His wife, Michael, began to tease him, began to say, you're an embarrassment. You're acting like a fool. He says, you're even a humiliation to your people. This was King David. He didn't care. When you remember God healed you, God freed you, God delivered you, you know what's about to come in your life. You're willing to give it all. Like the woman with the alabaster box, she said, I don't care. I'm going to get through. I know he's my savior. I know that he's going to resurrect. I'm going to break up my perfume and I'm going to give it all to him, my worship. What I love about David, he didn't outsource his worship. Well, I'm the king. Let's go find the worshipers. Let's go find those who are talented. Let's find those who are gifted. David said, I ain't waiting for them. I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to thank him for his presence in my life again. We're not going to wait for big conferences to shout at. We're not going to wait for special events to shout at. We're going to shout when God shows up with his spirit. Woo! This is what God wants. Can't you feel it? Man, he's so honored with this because he knows this is what you need. We don't need big events to worship God. I don't need to go to a prophetic conference to have something special. I have the Holy Spirit in my life and the word of God. You worship God because of who he is and because of what he has done. Amen. Sometimes you got to shout, sometimes you got to clap, sometimes you got to lift your voice, sometimes you got to kneel, sometimes you just got to tell him that you love him. Number three, last one. I'm done. I promise. Then we're going to go eat and have some fun. Number three, worship him with intimacy. And I've talked a lot about this, so we're just going to briefly go over it. But what is intimacy? Into me, you see. So I'm sitting down, and I'm letting him look into me. You have permission, Lord. It's intimacy. It's one-on-one. Those of you who are married or dating or your children, if they could ask if Pastor Lonnie was to ask, I asked, tell me some things about Kim, Pastor Kim. He would not have to Google it. He wouldn't have to question. He's at intimacy with her. He can go, he knows her. And that should be God our Father. We know him, but we haven't been intimate with him. 
We can't share an intimate moment where he came down and visited. I'm not saying you can't, but that's where he's drawing us. You need to have your alone moment. You need to have your story in the car, your story in the shower, your story in a parking lot, your story getting ready in the living room. God wants to your intimacy. You should be able to tell your story where you are vulnerable to God and you allowed him close enough to see you. Psalms 27.4 says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. David said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He didn't say, give me more fame. One thing I want is fame. He didn't say, give me more money. Give me more riches. He didn't say any of that. He said, that I will dwell in worship with you forever. I want to live in your house all the days of my life, delighting in your perfections and meditating on your temple. What does God want us to do? He wants us to learn and experience him. I have a vision for this church. You can come on up, sweetheart. Thank you. I have a vision for this church. We went to Revival Arizona Monday, and I didn't need to see that to know that was the vision I wanted. It's always been in my heart. But we experienced outdoor worship that was just special. And thousands came from all over the campus and the city and churches. And I see us doing that on our back lot. I see an outdoor worship of the presence of God and miracles happening and worship coming forth. I see this church as people that are passionate to worship God. I see this church as people are waiting to get in the doors to get here for worship, to get here to get healed, to get into the presence of God. I see people that are worshiping God during the week and hearing from God themselves. I see people that are being transformed by the power and the presence of God. That's our worship, amen? That's what God has for you. The Bible says he's not a respect your persons. My experiences are so small in comparison to what God wants to do for you. And maybe you've had some in the past. I'm sure you have. Let's have them again. Let's have a presence of God. Our young adults came. My heart is for this generation also. My heart's pretty big. I have a heart for a lot of things. But I love this Gen Z. And last night, it was just blessed my heart. I went home just so happy because they answered the altar call. And they got water baptized. And God gave them words. And they went through some deliverances. And one testified today that she woke up with no anxiety that she was struggling with, that she's been dealing with. And I know her story. And the word was, you're going to wake up different. And it happened. And that just set a fire on the inside of me, that that's what I want this church to be. I don't want to be just a church on Sunday mornings where we, we meet and it's faith builders and it's cool. And now I want a house of miracles. I want a house of worship. I want a house of humility that we're willing to just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Why? Because people's lives need to be changed. And it happens through worship. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We close every service with making sure everyone has the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And only the Holy Spirit can talk to you about your heart. So I'm just going to ask you to search your heart today. Maybe you came here this morning not even thinking you need to get born again, but you must surrender your life to Jesus. 
He's a living Savior that died on a cross and resurrected again so that you can have the free gift of eternal life. And all he asks is that you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart, you'll be born again. That free gift is so easy. I see so many, you can look at me, but I see so many people that would rather do the works than receive the free gift. I don't even have time to go down to what I think about that. But serving God is free. Coming to the, the altar is free. It's the gift. We don't have to do anything for it. I find that more people would rather be water baptized and I'm for it than answer an altar call. Why? Because you've put something into it. But salvation is free. Jesus says, just say yes. There's nothing added to it. Now there's things in your walk the Holy Spirit will teach and train you and will come alongside of you, but the gift is just yes. And then Jesus will show you who he is. He'll show you truth. He'll answer your questions. But the Bible says that you can't understand the things of the Spirit unless you're born of the Spirit. It's like, well, I just want to figure it out. You won't. It's faith. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I'm going to say yes, and God will begin to show me answers to all of my questions. Amen. So with all eyes closed, I want everyone to say this prayer with me this morning. Everyone, maybe you're saying it for the first time, just coming into agreement or coming back to Jesus. I want you to say, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sin. I invite you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I humble myself and I say yes to you. Teach me your ways. Show me your truth. In Jesus' name, with all heads bowed. If you said that prayer this morning, shoot your hand up all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm telling you, thank you, thank you. There must be 30 of you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we rejoice because your word says when one receives you, all of heaven throws a party. And we just say thank you. Church, can you thank the Lord this morning? We're so thankful, God, for those who came to you, Jesus. And we honor you in this moment, Father God, in Jesus' name. And for those of you who said yes, please make your way to guest services. We have classes. We have mentorship. We want to come alongside of you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. But tell someone. Amen. Tell someone today that you committed your life to Jesus. So anyway, let me close in prayer. Have a good time. Hang out. I'll be wandering around as will the team. And uh, take lots of pictures, will you? And then we'll send a link out and we'll get pictures from you so we can have those. So Father, we thank you for fun today, safety today. Let us eat good. Let us laugh, Father God. And let us make incredible memories. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. I love you all. We'll see you Wednesday.